Hey everybody, this is uh, Alex Merced from alexmerced.com, your guy who likes to talk about the things that he uh, likes to think about. And uh, today what I want to talk about is the Libertarian Party, not a topic that I, a topic I've talked about plenty of times before, but I just want to talk a little bit about sort of like the Libertarian political mission, how, how do you achieve success, what does success look like? Um, because we're starting to see like a lot of disarray in the Libertarian Party uh, today. Okay, and people are looking at it from different sides. Some people are on this side, on that side. But I don't think anyone looks at the current situation and is like, man, this is, this is what's, what should be happening. Um, and generally, if, if you are like looking at the situation and being like, yeah, this is great, you probably are looking at it from uh, the wrong lens. And, this, and when I say the wrong lens, is that your, your goals aren't necessarily like, libertarian ends more than like spiting your enemies and vanquishing your foes which isn't the same thing as actually changing anything um so first i just want to kind of just talk about from the point of view of uh change okay or or mo actually let's focus on the point of movement building because essentially when you want to make political change it's not just about changing policies okay it's not just about changing rules and electing people because at the end of the day like people if you pass bad legislation and we see this happen all the time people will you know people will ignore that legislation people will find ways to work around that legislation it just won't it won't work okay and you might and then on top of it you'll create all sorts of additional problems uh policies that are generally less damaging are just ones that are generally reinforcing norms that kind of already exist okay in a sense like they're just solidifying for those who operate slightly outside on the margins outside of the norm. Okay, so let's say, you know, um, think of X policy doesn't seem like extremely disruptive. Like, you know, I know most libertarians are gonna think like, every policy is disruptive, everything is bad. The government did it, but again, there's a lot of things that the government does that they made a rule, but the rule really doesn't do much because technically that's what people were already doing. And to me, that's generally like, if there is going to be sort of, I think, it's better for government to act as sort of like a, a codifying of existing norms more than sort of, sort of someone, something that's trying to change or shape existing norms because then it becomes this big thing that people fight over, this big wedge, this big hammer. And that's when you get this sort of like the situation you have today where basically, you know, everyone wants to shape the world they want, they want to shape it and they realize that, you know, government being, you know, as a large scale and all powerful as as it can be with the ability to like you know imprison people find people uh also to do all sorts of punishments they're like yeah yeah okay well let's lose you that lever and one person uses a lever then other people want to use a lever and everyone's just fighting over over the hammer um but yeah but another way to make change is you change people culturally and Cultural changes doesn't happen because you just yelled at people or you got angry with people. Uh, I think one of the best examples, you, what you do is you build enough people who are like-minded, who coordinate with each other, who commune with each other, that they naturally just generally have a, a sort of growing singular voice. It's not that there's they, no one speaks for everybody. It's just that they all generally share very common views. So basically they have this shared power. And that doesn't happen because you force it to happen. It happens because it happens organically, generally through building community. Okay, and this was one of the things that when I was the vice chair of the Libertarian Party, one of the things that I cared about very much, in the sense of just being sort of that kind figure, that welcoming figure, 
trying to foster the community within the party. Because to me, like, where the change would happen is, is the Libertarian Party is being this sort of hub of where Libertarian community can be kind of created, where community commune among Libertarians that can then affect politics, okay? Um, and I think when, in the instances where that happened, in the places like you see chapters where everyone kind of gets really gets along, they really embrace their local, participate in their local community in positive ways, you saw a lot of positive effect. And a lot of people are like, well, we want to see like national overnight change. You know, they just generally have, they set themselves up for disappointment. They set up unrealistic expectations. That's, that's a whole different story. But in the places where, you know, you had that kind of activism, you saw better results. And I think, again, in practice, I've, you see this all the time with religion. Okay, a lot of people like complain like, well, libertarianism is not a religion. That's not the point. Um, religion is a, a an ideology. It's a thing that is trying to create change in the world, whether you agree with certain changes or other changes that, that any particular religion wants to make. But generally, they're, they're facing the same challenges in the sense that they need to grow their numbers and be persuasive. So just using the specific, the specific uh, example of like, just like Christianity, um, I think back to two examples, okay? I, I think back to my time riding the New York City subways where you'd see like all these evangelists would just like scream at you. They'd be like, praise Jesus, you're going to hell if you don't praise Jesus. And, you know, just tell you like, how damned you are and you need to repent and all these things. This was not persuasive. I was never thinking, I was like, oh man, this random person in the subway yelled at me um, and told me I'm a bad person. I need to change my ways and embrace Jesus. Like that was never my response. And no, have I ever met a person who responded that way to that? This is generally how I feel about like a lot of what people would refer to as edgelords. They think by being... Uh, not necessarily provocative in a way that makes people think, but just by like being very judgmental and very aggressively judgmental towards people they disagree with. Um, you know, again, there's a way to be provocative to stir a conversation in the sense that like, okay, you know, um, you highlight some sort of disruptive event or make some sort of disruptive statement that, that, that breaks through cognitive dissonance. And then there's like this sort of just like, just being a jerk. Okay, uh, again, kind of like these people in the subway. And it's not persuasive, okay? You're not getting anyone to kind of reconsider that. Actually, most often you're doing more damage because generally when people are a jerk, to, when people see someone that's a jerk, people are more likely to dig in their heels. So if anything, you're reinforcing their bad ideas. You're making them believe in the bad things they believe in more because now that they don't like you and think you are a jerk, they know that digging their heels in is a way to sort of combat you and you just create this like wider chasm okay and I don't want to say like I would just say like you know and there's always going to be an element of that in any political circle so you know conservative uh, progressive libertarian you're going to have those people who, are, who, who take that tact and it's a bad tact but they're going to be there it's a bigger it's a bigger issue when you sometimes see that tact taken through official channels, and that's kind of like where the controversies, I think, come nowadays, where you are seeing sometimes like that kind of behavior being done with sort of like, in particular, like the National Libertarian Party uh, Twitter account, okay, which in that case makes it basically, you're, whether you like it or not, like you're speaking behalf, when you're using that account, you're speaking on behalf of all libertarians, which is why generally like, you know, people used to complain that that Twitter account was milk toast. it should be milk toast, because 
generally when you're representing a lot of people, there's not much you can say that truly represents all the people you represent. So, you know, where the most common ground in is going to be the most sort of agreeable, milk toasty things. But those are also the things where you can probably make a lot of change and make a lot of difference and create a lot of uh, coalitions. Um, so there's something to be said for that. But that's why you have candidates, you know, go out there and, you know, try things out and sometimes say things that sound really good and sometimes sound really bad. And then again, you know, to the extent that National amplifies a candidate should be, again, only in that sort of very small piece of the Venn diagram in which sort of like all libertarians overlap or all party members or generally the, the people you were whatever that thing is representing that those people represent because again you're representing those people you're not representing your personal opinion you're representing the percent the opinions of the, the members of the organization so when i used to have to like help schedule posts to the libertarian party twitter account and the libertarian party facebook page um you know i wasn't the main person who did it but i, I definitely scheduled posts here and there and uh, you know, I was always very, very careful, very, very cognizant of like, okay, hey, you know, I'm not speaking just on, this is not just my opinion, this is, I'm speaking on behalf of this entire group of people, okay, so what can I, what can I say that I feel like all of them can feel comfortable with me saying, okay, it's not going to be the most exciting thing that I would maybe say on my own personal Twitter account, but it's something I know that, hey, you know, people will be comfortable with and, you know, they might retweet um and generally will make people not not push people away from thinking considering involvement with the group okay but now now the other approach so again i mentioned that i see that these people in the subway who just like scream and, and, and yell and judge but there's people who take the opposite approach so i remember this organization called crew when i was in college okay it was like the christian crusade or whatever they're like like a christian youth group um and the way their approach was just to, you know, it didn't matter if you were religious, it didn't matter if you were a Christian, you could attend their events. You know, they would never really, like, judge you or be mean to you. They would just invite you, uh, feed you, uh, bring you in for, like, song, you know, really fun events. You know, fun, very wholesome events. Wholesome but fun. Um, and be very kind. And, you know, that was actually probably a lot more persuasive to me than anything because, you know, you're like this is a very nice, like these people are very nice and I would like to spend more time with these people. Okay, and then, you know, you what happens is that when you find this group that you want to be with, um, you're naturally going to os osmosisly over time embrace more and more of their ideas because you want to have more in common with these people. Okay, you like, the, 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 you like this life that exists when you're with them. And again, it has nothing to do with like particularly Christianity in that level of persuasion. It has everything to do with just sort of like the experience, and that's generally like how you build movements. There's a reason why like those type of uh, religious efforts tend to be much more effective, where they're like positive. They, 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 they fill you with hope. They fill you with community, because people are in constant search of their tribe, constant search of trying to find the people who they they, they can just like, you know, just just be themselves with, or feel themselves with. Um, and then they're going to, once they find those people, they're going to uh, slowly be molded by that group. Okay, which is why it's important is that if you believe that things like, you know, not being violent towards people, not caging people, not robbing people's stuff are generally good values, you would want to build a very welcoming community. 
focused around those values. That welcomes people who don't necessarily automatically share all those values. But as welcoming is kind and fun because over time those people will, you know, get to those values. And, and you know, during my time as Libertarian Party vice chair, I felt like that seemed to be what a lot of the people in the Libertarian Party and leadership from state to state, they'll kind of seem to, you know, understand that and agree with that. And, and you know, um, and that's kind of what I would talk, talk to as I would travel the country and speak at different state conventions. Um, and I still believe that, you know, the Libertarian Party can be that someday. Um, it's not at the moment, okay? Um, right now, you know, from the outside looking in, and again, I'm someone who hasn't really been that active lately, so I'm seeing it from, like, an outsider's eyes, okay? I'm, you know, uh, I can pro- I, I probably feel comfortable saying that probably if you go to your local county meetings, it's probably a much more pleasant experience than just like monitoring and just like seeing the social media side of it. But that's what most people see who aren't yet involved. And what you see there is you see not a very approachable organization, an organization that's like, like you're with us or against us kind of vibe. Um, you know, you're damned, you know, you know, you know, like, and then oftentimes really, really hyper-focused on, on hero worship. And again, a lot of the heroes being worshipped are, are many of them are heroes that I share, okay? I, again, I, I was someone who came out of, like, I became a libertarian out of the 2008 Ron Paul revolution. Like, 2007, watching Ron Paul confront Giuliani changed my opinion on so many things and forced me down a rabbit hole where I learned a lot. And, you know, and particularly to Ron Paul, I do feel like, you know, immense sense of gratitude for uh, a lot of the, the wisdom I got from his example. Okay, because people will criticize people around Ron Paul. They'll criticize, you know, Ron Paul in a lot of manners. But the guy personally is he just a, is generally is a nice guy who gets up every day, rides his bike, tries to live generally a good life. And that to me was very, very inspiring. There was this guy who was just trying to live a good life wanting to give people a space to live their lives in policy and to me that was very inspiring and i think and then i found community with a lot of people around that and then that you know led me down the road that i eventually went down okay and i think a lot of people who said like that those were some of the pieces that really really worked um instead of focusing more on like you know ron paul father that i remember back in 2008 was never the person who was like personally attacking anyone else on that stage but speaking to, you know, the hypocrisy of the issues. Um, you know, if anything, other people at stage, I, I remember John Huntsman in, like, 2012, attacked Ron Paul very directly and personally. Um, and that, that actually, you know, at the, up to that point, John Huntsman seemed like an all-right guy, and that totally ruined my opinion of him. Um, so, again, like, the actual, like, the, the, the actual experience of Ron Paul... And what I think worked for him is not what a lot of people who I think are saying that they're inspired by him are replicating. Um, and again, a lot of those people are actually personal friends of Ron Paul. They know him really well. Just be- but, but just because you know him very well, much better than I probably do, and, and are much closer terms with him than I probably am, um, doesn't necessarily mean you, you, you are walking those same footsteps as effectively. Um, or at all. Um... Yeah, but I mean, that was the main thing I wanted to kind of talk about. Like, when you take a look at, like, movements that have been successful at growing, I mean, you can't think of a, you know, religion. The difference between, like, a religion and any other ideological movement is just their staying power. 
Um, these are just ideological movements that have really ingrained themselves over centuries. And oftentimes, one of the key factors, especially you know, when you get away from like the less dogmatic sects of a lot of these religions, what makes them thrive is sort of their community orientation. Okay? And if you're trying to create a world where you're focusing on not compelling people to do things and living a world where we're free to live by consent and whatnot, you want to build that community. You want to have that community approach because, you know, a world where we're all just constantly antagonistic towards each other, you are going to have government coercion because people are going to not like each other and just want to use that hammer against each other. And that's just the reality of it. So um, hopefully this is some food for thought. Uh, my name is Alex Merced. Uh, you can always find more information about me over there at alexmerced.com. Follow me on Twitter. My current like political Twitter where I post my political thoughts is Loveitarian. Okay, because I'm trying to really promote that message of love. I really want to kind of get libertarianism focused back on that whole idea that, and again, there's a difference between saying, is libertarianism about love? Like, okay, yes, the ideology is, bottom line really, this is like about, you know, do you, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean I love you or not love you. But in the sense that you want to create a, a environment that can facilitate that ideological worldview, it is going to be a context of love, a context of where more than likely we assume love before as the default instead of hate as the default or dislike as the default. Okay, because you need that you need people to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Because at the end of the day, like we could say people are free, but people have to kind of be okay with that. Like people have to sit there and be like, I am not gonna use violence against you. Uh, because I'm gonna give you a chance to live your life. And we're all gonna we all give each other that benefit of the doubt. That's that's the only way that's gonna happen. Okay, I mean it's at the end of the day, like there's no, you know, magical like barrier to violence. If someone wants to be violent towards another, they can. The way you build a libertarian world is people have to choose to want that world. And if you're gonna to choose to have a world where more people have consent, it's gonna be because more more often than not, you you tolerate the existence of most people. Okay, um, enough that the mind the, the vast minority of people who's Existence you may not disagree with is is still not enough for you to 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 ask for violence. But if you drive a lot of anger, frustration, and hate, that you know a plurality of people are people you would like to control or whatnot, then it's gonna it's gonna be hard to make that work uh, because then people feel like well I have to go control those people because they're just they're evil. Um, so. It's, there, we do need to kind of find a way to, to, to build community. And this goes to all sides in the current conflicts. I mean, this is, that's been one of my... Well, I definitely think... I mean, it, depend, it, depend, it depends on what angle you're looking at in the sense that, like, okay, if I were to say, like, far as managing the party or having a better strategical, strategic outlook at how to run the organization and grow the organization, there's definitely, like, one side that would be more effective currently than the other. Um, I do think there are plenty of chance. There has been plenty of like inflection points where different fi different figures at different times on both sides could have accepted olive branches or whatnot. That wouldn't have let you know things escalate this far. That you would have had that because basically, as things have escalated people have been willing to accept worse people to their factions, in a sense. 
Because that's what happens. Basically, it becomes an arms race. So you start just taking anybody. Um, and you end up in this... And that's led to some of the worst aspects of this whole conflict. Um, where if it hadn't escalated as much, I don't know if you would have seen some of these groups embrace some of these worst elements as much as they've had or tolerate them as much as they have. Um, and that's the nature of conflict. Like, that's the thing that's like, this is how wars play out. Like, I mean, this is literally like you're watching a war without guns play out and um, you're seeing the same sort of dy dynamic where in the sense that like there is no, there's nothing, you know, conflict only begets conflict. Okay, the only way in peace begets peace. So, you know, and I know nowadays you have this sort of such a level of, of, of polarization between some of these factions that it's like speaking to even the idea of peace, speaking to the idea that there could be some sort of like possible like middle ground or, or way for, for to get back to something good um, is tantamount to agreeing with whatever side you disagree with. Okay, it's like, oh, you... You're the problem. It's like, no. No, the conflict's the problem. Okay, it's like, the people who choose not to fight war aren't why the war is the problem. The war is the problem. Um, so, food for that. I'll talk to y'all later. Have a great day and enjoy.